Welcome to Reader Seeks Romance Channel's Romance Roundup. I am Liz Donatelli. And I'm Libby Kay, author of the sweet romance series, Buckeye Falls. Libby and I are excited to share our curated list of must-read romance books. So take notes. In celebration of our premiere episode, we are sharing our lists of must-read 2023 debut romances. And we're running a giveaway. More about that later. If you're listening to us on Podbean or your podcast app of choice, then be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Romance Roundup. Also, watch Romance Roundup on Reader Seeks Romance's YouTube channel, which is the only place you'll find exclusive bonus content such as episode teasers, books and bookish giveaways, extra book recs, and romance author guests. Be sure to like and subscribe. Libby, let the roundup begin. All right. Thanks, Liz. Okay. So the first one I want to talk about came out earlier this spring. It's by Camille Kellogg and fans of Liz and Reader Seeks Romance Channel might have already seen the interview uh, with Camille back in the spring during the debut. But this is Just As You Are. And it is a Pride and Prejudice retelling. And I have to tell you, I am such a snob with Pride and Prejudice retellings. The fact that I'm sitting here gushing can only be good news. Uh, so, oh, and I meant, forgot to mention this is through Dial Press, which is a part of Random House. So obviously available wherever books are sold. So the general overview, as I said, this is a Pride and Prejudice retelling. So it has a modern twist. Uh, one of the most notice, notable things is that this features a complete LGBTQ plus cast, which I loved. And instead of it being Lizzie and Darcy, we have Liz and Daria. And uh, Liz lives with her roommates in New York. So kind of think Bennett sisters, but instead these are, you know, modern people in New York. And uh, Daria and her friend Bailey are coming in and they are going to revamp this magazine that Liz and all of her friends work at. So obviously shenanigans are about to ensue. Uh, it is perfectly written in that there was never a lag you know a lot of books sometimes you think oh it has a soggy middle or a saggy middle soggy middle now I'm sounding like I'm British, British breakoff uh but you know it it just kept flowing and I yeah. always felt really connected to Liz and Daria even when they were both acting you know acting up with their nonsense but uh like I said really faithful to the original story in that I as soon as you know you know who the villains in the story are going to be and I was still surprised when they ended up doing what they were doing to the point where, you know, you're shaking your book and you're like, oh my gosh. So I really liked that, that even though, you know, that's kind of the thing with retellings, you know what's going to happen. And obviously that's what I like about romance is, you know, they're going to end up together. But this really, I literally gasped when, you know, the twist happened and I really liked how um, Camille Kellogg wrote that. I like how she did the character reactions because it felt authentic to how she had built them throughout the story. Uh, so really good character development. Um, in terms of tropes, if you're a trope fan like myself, this is obviously an enemies to lovers. It has the workplace romance elements uh, because obviously Daria is technically the boss and uh, Liz is the employee. And um, as I mentioned, fabulous LGBTQ plus representation, um, very authentic. Um, it 
just the story was fabulous. And every secondary character had a purpose. You know, sometimes you read books and you're thinking, oh, you know, get back to the main couple. But I never felt that way. I was always like, oh, this is fun. I, I want to see what's coming on next. So um, definitely, if you are a Pride and Prejudice fan, and even if you're not, you should pick up this book because, um, like I said, Just As You Are by Camille Kellogg, um, absolutely fabulous uh, debut romance of 23. Wow, that's quite an endorsement. I have two questions. One, what's the heat level? Is it a closed door, fairly chaste? Or? There's, um, there's like maybe one steamy scene, um, but I mean, it's not... And I, I read the whole spectrum of steam, but yes. it's definitely more steam than sweet. It's it's I wouldn't consider it a sweet book. There's definitely a little steam to it. Okay. Second question is, do you think Jane Austen would enjoy reading Camille Kellogg's Just As You Are? I think so, because I feel like it's authentic to Austen's original story, but it's a really good representation of modern mm -hmm. times. So, yeah. I mean, I... I would say yes. <laughs> okay, that's good enough for me. I have selected as one of my top 2023 debut romances, The First Date Prophecy. Ooh. So The First Date Prophecy is a rom-com, and it's one of those actually funny rom-coms, uh, which doesn't always happen, but it's a rom-com by co-authors and real-life married couple Kate and Danny Tamborelli. Kate has written contemporary YA novels under Caitlin Detweiler. And Danny is a musician, a comedian, a podcaster, and a former child actor from 90s Nickelodeon shows that I don't know, maybe you've watched, Libby. Oh, the Adventures show? The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, and I loved the oh, Adventures really? of Pete and Pete. Yes. <laughs> My sister and I used to watch that all the time. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. And all that, which is. Yes. Uh, I, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. So um, Danny played the younger Pete, the little Pete. So that. Okay. Tamara, that name sounded familiar. And oh, my gosh. Oh, I have to read this immediately. <laughs> and you'll have to watch their interview on Reader Seeks Romance. I just uh, posted that last week. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it was genuinely very funny. The First Date Prophecy, published by Kensington. Um, they've been releasing a lot more romances that I've been um, checking out lately. And um, it is inspired by Kate and Danny's real-life love story. So the couple in the novel, Lucy and Rudy, their first date is at a bar where a psychic is doing greetings. And the, <laughs> the psychic makes a prediction that is, quote, equal parts great fortune and certain doom. So uh, this leads them on a dating journey that organically leads them to fall in love. And this is one of the most authentic, sweet, heartwarming romances that I've read in a while. Um, the protagonists are real people. Uh, everything they did or how they behaved like resonated with me when I recalled my own dating past with my now husband. And it wasn't where it was like lust at first sight at all. Like there's a lot of lust at first sight. There's there it's it's like you know they grew to love each other, fall in love, and it wasn't like oh he's got rippling six pack abs. Like he's a dude with an you know regular like a real person. Body. Yeah, re regular person. Um. So uh. So yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed uh, every page. It was uh. It was a pretty compelling read too to see where it was going. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm definitely adding it to. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I haven't thought about those shows in ages. And now it's like all I can think about. And what's cool is that Danny got to do that narration 
for the audiobook playing Rudy, the the male oh. protagonist. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So maybe you'd want an audiobook it being used to watch, you know, the adventures. And I do love a good well, I love a bad audiobook. I just love audiobooks. <laughs> well then maybe try that. Maybe try that. Perfect. So uh yeah. Yeah. Well, well awesome. enjoy. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> What do you have next for us, Libby? Okay, so next up, we're going from modern day New York, and we are going to go to 1930s Hollywood. And actually, this might have been another one I think you interviewed yes. the author for. <laughs> um, so it, it happened one fight by Maureen Lee Lanker, who um, this is obviously, I believe she wrote for Entertainment Weekly and some other magazines. Yeah. Uh, but this caught my eye for many reasons, least of which is I did see it on your show. But um, I am absolutely obsessed with classic Hollywood. Like the 20s through the 60s are one of my favorite periods in film. So the fact that this uh, follows uh, Dash Howard, who is very clearly, and as you can see from the cover, very clearly supposed to be Clark Gable. Um, yes. I just absolutely was obsessed with the notion of like a Clark Gable character. And then um, Joan Davis is our heroine, who is very obviously going to be uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. And yes. um, I love both of them, although I'm a little partial to Betty because we have the same birthday. Uh, obviously not the same year. This uh, protagonist is an amalgam of, uh, uh, of, oh. of Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. At the end of the book, she has a section where she talks about movies that inspired her. And um, it happened one night with, um, I just forgot her name, Claudette Colbert. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Claudette uh, Colbert. Uh -huh. Yes. And because her and Gable were in that movie. And there's a scene that's basically, I mean, not right out of it, but very much inspired by it that I just was like eating right up. So for me, as someone who has seen all of these movies a bazillion times, um, it really did draw me into the story, but I can say that even if you're not a classic Hollywood fan, I mean, the, the writing, the description of, of the sets and the time and the costumes and even just like, you know, silly things like they had to write telegrams and letters and and they handle early media, um, like you know, like the Gossam columnists and the way that they, that was obviously one of the, I don't want to give anything away, but that's one of the uh, driving points of the story is, is how the media portrays them. So, uh, but the premise is they have been working on movies for years. They kind of have this enemies uh, uh, vibe going and uh, they find out that a prank that Dash did, uh, actually they did had a wedding scene in a movie and it ended up, he mailed in the certificate as a gag and they were legally married in terms of, or in the eyes of California. So the studio <laughs> loves this, of course, because they're about yeah. to film a new movie together. So even though Joan just got engaged to someone else, they yeah. fly them off to Reno where they could get a quickie uh, divorce and, and simultaneously film this movie. And so it, it really goes into, you know, why they hate each other or they think they hate each other and um, the scenes of them connecting. Oh, my God, it's just so good. And the pacing, again, there was not a lull in this book. And I don't want to give away the third act breakup, but I, I did get weepy. And you know me, Liz, I don't get weepy. Uh, but it was just so well done. And my heart was like aching for these two people. And it was the perfect Hollywood ending. Um, I could not have asked for a better ending. It was not forced. It made sense to the, you know, to the story. But um, right. it was just absolute perfection the steam level i would say there was there was some steam to it which again i'm not complaining uh yeah. but it really did stay true to you know describing the era and i read modern or contemporary and uh historical romance but you usually don't see that right now in the 20s or the 30s it's You're usually right. world war ii or we're going back to the regency era so that was really nice to just kind of get a different historical vibe like i really just yeah. enjoyed that part of it as well but um, it, like I mentioned, it's enemies to lovers. It has the Hollywood celebrity dating angle. There is a little bit of forced proximity, which is fabulous. And um, 
it's not just one bed, but it is just one hotel room, which in this book is basically the same thing. And if you're a fan of that trope, like right. giddy up, it's exciting. <laughs> yes. When Maureen Lee Lenker was on Redo Seeks Romance's first date, we talked about the divorce situation. They were called divorce ranches. Yes. Where you would go and wait it out because there was a time period that you had to wait for the divorce to be final. So there are scenes then from this kind of, is that the forced proximity? Is that they're on this yes. ranch? They're on this ranch um, and they're filming a movie, yeah. coincidentally, that's at the ranch. And so you kind of have the <laughs> vibes of them as actors and, yeah. and playing these roles of supposedly falling in love. Right. And then you have like the outside forces with the media giving their opinions. Oh, it was, and you could tell that uh, Maureen did her homework on this. Like this, yeah. or no, yeah, Maureen. Yeah. Uh, she did her homework. This was not some hack job of like, oh, I've seen a couple of movies. Like you could tell she knew the studio system. She knew, you know, how contracts yeah. work and how they, how, you know, relationships with the media work. Like very yeah. well researched, but not dry. Like it really, it added to the story. Right. It didn't take away from it. Is it classified as historical romance or is it still too uh new i I mean on goodreads and amazon it was listed i think depending on the publisher you can consider anything pre-1980 to be historical now which is depressing for those of us born in the 80s (laughs) or or the late 70s (laughs) as as one of us is so i have twice in a lifetime by melissa Barron, who i believe was uh, one of the authors in your episode of first date on reader seeks romance channel yes Twice in a Lifetime by Melissa Barron. It is a contemporary romance, a bit heavier than the typical contemporary romance published these days. Uh, Twice in a Lifetime was released by Alcove Press, which is distributed by Penguin Random House. Uh, Alcove has been actually publishing a lot more romances lately that I've been reading and they almost have a bit they kind of straddle the line between romance and women's fiction Hmm. and um according to the book description twice in a lifetime is the time traveler's wife meets Una out of order I have not read Una out of order I don't know if you have and years ago I think it came out a couple years ago didn't it yes yes and uh, the other quote on the book description, Melissa Barron's time-crossed romance features a quintessentially endearing and brave protagonist and engrossing plot that will keep you turning pages until it's breathtaking finish. First of all, that is a thousand percent correct. So it's there's a single woman who is a graphic designer and she's a really gifted painter. She lives with anxiety and depression, uh, mostly social anxiety. And she begins getting texts from someone who claims to be her husband. Ooh. And I I don't want to, I can't say too much because there's a lot that could be spoiled. But these texts appear to be coming from another time. Oh. Okay, from this husband. It is absolutely heartbreaking (laughs) and hopeful and beautiful it is a romance there is the hea the happily ever after at the end it breaks the mold though as far as contemporary romance goes what we've been trained to expect this is very different and there's a bit of you know i i guess sci-fi if you would consider a little bit of playing with time time. i guess a little bit sci-fi-ish um but it is 
absolutely compelling from the first word to the last. I'm a sucker for time travel or anything that plays with time. I don't know how you feel about that. I do like it. I just read, oh, and I just basically, oh, the seven year slip. um, Oh, Ashley Poston. Thank you. I was was going to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, I read that for another book club last month and really enjoyed it. And usually I'm not a magical realism fan and I lump time travel in with that, but time travel is kind of my loophole. Like I usually can, and I will admit Melissa's book has been on my literal nightstand on my stack of books I have to read since we did our interview with you last year. So it's, I I want to read it, but my problem is lately, I just have been looking for the fluffiest of fluff. And so I know going into that, there's going to be not that romance novels that are fluffy don't have more conflict, but you know, I know there's going to be a little bit more heft to that one. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. For sure. So now we're going from 1930s Hollywood and we're going to go, we're back to modern day and we're going to Scotland because I can't say no. Uh, So this is Ruby Spencer's Whiskey Year and it's by Rochelle, I'm going to say Bilo or Billo, I'm not sure. Um, I think it's Bilo. Bilo, okay. Uh, This is her first romance book. So this is her romance debut. She did write a memoir like 10 years ago, um, which I think might be part of what the story is based on because I think it's how she met her husband but um this is about um Ruby who is uh, a New Yorker and she decides to kind of zhuzh up her life she's in her I think she's in her late 30s which again I liked I'm not saying I don't like books with people in their 20s but as someone who's you know we're getting older it's fun to read things that aren't just you know right out of college um heroines not that there's anything wrong with that uh so but Ruby's in her late 30s she decides she needs a change and so she wants to go to Scotland and spend a year and write a cookbook So she makes this impulsive decision to leave her life completely behind. And she goes to Scotland to the town that I kid you not, it's called Thistle Cross and it is adorable. And it sounds like Thistle Cross, Thistle Cross. It's like a postcard. I I just wanted to like live here. It's so charming. She has this, you know, quirky cottage and she meets the locals at the pub and befriends a lot of them. And of course there is an incredibly handsome brooding Scotsman who's the handyman uh, whose name is Brochen, which I'm probably going to say wrong because I'm married to a Welshman, not a Scotsman. So, well, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> Thank I, you. I'm I have to ask a quick question: <laughs> When yeah. the Scottish dude speaks, is it written in that Scottish brogue? Is it written as he yes, speaks? certain okay. parts? You know, like when he's like talking to himself or things. But and I felt like um, I did read this one, and I almost did the audiobook. Um, one of my friends did the audiobook and said it's fabulous. Um, and usually I do audiobooks, so I'm not sure why I picked up the print, but, um, yeah, I liked how they wrote the dialogue because it did seem, you know, I, I, it made you feel like you were there. Um, but the descriptions of the scenery of, of all of it, and obviously not just the love interest because please, uh, but it was very, um, it, it was, it was cliche, but not cliche, you know, obviously the, you know, the big city American coming in, you know, you have certain expectations of what's going to happen, but I really liked how her and, or how, um, Ruby and Broken's, um, love story panned out because I felt like the highs and lows were realistic. And I felt like sometimes when there's the miscommunication trope, I know a lot of the time people get frustrated because it's like, why aren't they just talking to each other? But I felt like the way that Rochelle did this was very realistic because there are certain times where you literally, it, it's impossible to say exactly what you want to say without, you know, something else happening that isn't supposed to happen yet. So I thought that was done really well. Um, obviously, uh, things are going to happen. There, the thing I like about this is there's the time limit. She's only supposed to be there for a year. So I like that that kind of is like always, you know, in the background with the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing I like is there is steam to this, but because she has this whole year, um, and because of Broken's past and how he wants to handle things, they're both 
I, I thought it was a pretty realistic interpretation of how if I was giving up my entire life and moving overseas of how it would be, you know, for an average American to, to kind of yeah. start over. So um, just really, really well written. Um, I really liked, again, the pacing. I always go back to pacing, but I didn't feel like there was any, you know, lag in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the tension, climax, third act breakup, all of that. Um, again, it was all of these, it, it really, they, you know, they do get you in the feels and you think, oh God, and you know, it's going to work out, but you still have these moments of like, what are they going to do? Uh, so really enjoyed. Um, in terms of tropes, it, it obviously has that small town romance, but instead of it being American, it's it's Scotland and Thistlecross in this adorable little pub um, and uh, forced proximity a little because he's the handyman. So he kind of uh, is always around in this teeny tiny little cottage that on paper sounds adorable, but I know in real life I would be like, I need like a real shower. <laughs> like I would have these moments of like, oh, it's, it's a little too cute and rustic. But, um, uh -huh. and again, that whole city girl, small town guy vibe, it was just really well done. So Ooh. yeah, if you're, if you want to go to the Scottish Highlands and can't afford a plane ticket, I would definitely recommend uh, Ruby Spencer's Whiskey yeah. Year. Did the author play up food and drink being, there's mention of whiskey. Yes. I didn't know food and drink is like a big part of. Yes, it's actually, it's a huge part because she wants to write this cookbook. So she's trying recipes. So I got incredibly oh. hungry and talked about Taddy Scones like all the time. Taddy Scones? What's a Taddy, Taddy Scones? I had to look it up. It's basically, uh, it, it sounds like it's sort of, they're a little flatter than what you would think of as traditional British scones. Okay. And I think they have potato in them because they're a little heavier and I think they're fried. Um, but it's been oh. a couple months since I read it. So now I might be giving you <laughs> false Taddy Scone information. But <laughs> Wait, that's not eaten for dessert though, right? It's just like No, I think it's just Oh, oh okay. yeah. But um but the food and the um there is a whiskey distillery in the story. And so um, I'm not okay. a whiskey drinker, but I did I really appreciated how she described each of the whiskeys because it made me feel like I could maybe be a whiskey drinker. I never will be. I can't do it. Why yeah, I'm not a, yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, I really I enjoyed that as a reader. I was like, wow, it's fun to pretend that I would actually drink these things. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that so far you've picked books that um, you've mentioned about the pacing. And yes. that is so important. And I feel like sometimes when readers say, oh, I didn't like a book, but I don't know why. I think a lot of times it is the pacing, but they mm -hmm. don't know how to identify it. Yes. Because that is so important. And having like that, I forgot what it's called in the writing world. Is it like the ticking clock? Is that what it is where you know yeah. that there's a time frame that something yes. has to be accomplished? Having the ticking clock going on in the background is it really helps with the pacing. I'm a fan yeah. of of properly paced stories as well. And man, if it's not, those are the books I don't care for. Yeah. And, there, and, and I usually I try not to DNF, do not finish a book if I can help it. Although life is too short to read a book you're not enjoying. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, but I, I totally, that's usually why yeah. I put down a book is I'm like, ugh, I'm bored. Like what's happening here? Right. I will allow a little bit of a lull. Like I have a a little bit of patience for a lull, but you've got to hook me back in pretty quickly. So yeah. I do make allowances for some books, but, but yeah, usually the pacing, I'm like, ah, oh, what the, this is dead in the water and we yeah. still have another hundred pages to go. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Okay, so I believe I'm up to, oh, wow, I'm up yeah, to- Yeah, this my, is, what's your next one? I think yeah. this is the, the last suggestion. <laughs> well, my next one is Falling Home by none other than Queen of Cozy Libby K. Oh, oh what a surprise. <laughs> Seriously, I, I had no idea. <laughs> Actually, you didn't. You truly didn't know I picked that. So this is book one in Buckeye Falls series published by Inkspell Publishing. Mm -hmm. 
And Falling Home is a cozy second chance romance between divorced couple Ginny and Max who reunite when Ginny returns from her big time New York marketing job to Buckeye Falls, Ohio to help her dad with his post-surgery care. Falling Home is set around the holidays, set around Christmas. So it's got all the, the holiday vibes and the you can almost hear the Christmas carols singing in the, you know, uh, oh, playing in the background. Course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you like to tell people it's like a Hallmark film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, to a degree, but this has way more depth to it. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, than, than uh, a Hallmark movie. So, Matt, first of all, the one thing, and I'm not even joking, that every now and again, I will come back to, especially when we're thinking about what to have for dinner, because Max <laughs> is a chef and owns his own restaurant in, in the book. I always think about his his freaking enchiladas. Yes. Okay? <laughs> and I know that you made that up, right? But in my mind, they do exist in a Buckeye Falls out, in, in fictional land. And there are these enchiladas that I really want to find a recipe <laughs> so I can make something. So you're going to have to find me a recipe. All right, I'm enchiladas, on it. Okay? I'm on um, it. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, uh, and I took some excerpts from my own review on Goodreads, um, <laughs> that Libby Kay is an extraordinary storyteller and builds a thoroughly engaging small town in Buckeye Falls that the world building is really done well that that's why I have kept reading and now you've got four books in the series and I kind of want you just to keep writing a book a year forever so I never have to leave um Jeannie and Max (laughs) while you keep doing that um and also there's a lot of supporting cast members who are all unique and don't just blend into the woodwork as a lot of large casts tend to do in, in romance novels. Um, and some of those supporting casts get their own love stories. So Falling Home by Libby Kay, another one of my fave. Oh, wait a second. I just realized something. Hmm. Wasn't that published in 2022? Oh, yeah. yeah it came out. This, it was the 20th of December. I'm keeping it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to say it is my favorite debut of 2022, 2023, because I'm not taking that back. Our show, our rules. <laughs> we're That's actually, it. we're doing a Melissa Barron and we're working with time here. <laughs> Wait a second. I think Melissa's book was published in 2022 too. Oh, I thought hers was early. Hold on. I got my phone. Let wow. I, I completely was- blew this assignment. Melissa Barron, Barron twice in a lifetime. Okay, let's see. No, it was 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but you already said it. I, I'll show our rules. Now it's time for our segment, Liz and Libby. Yay! These are our Liz and Libby picks. These are romance books either on our radar to read or books that we read and enjoyed so and i have it right here that of course i put down i literally just got this um it's been on my radar since i saw one of the blurbs about it but um you with a view by jessica joyce and actually this is a 2023 debut and if i would have read it fast enough i would have talked about what i thought about it but (laughs) um the thing that intrigued me about this is i do love a good road trip and i love the premise of this is noelle uh, lost her grandmother and in the process of grieving is going through old photos and and keepsakes and finds a love letter from a man that is definitely not her grandfather. 
And so she goes to social media to try to find who this mystery man is and is less than delighted when she finds out it's the grandfather of her high school nemesis. So they decide through, and again, I haven't read it yet, but it, from the description, they decide to go and recreate the honeymoon that never happened uh, oh. for her grandmother and this gentleman. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Theo, the grandson who drove her crazy in school, uh, comes along. So uh, from what I understand, it has one of my current favorite tropes, which is the just one bed forced proximity. I can't get enough of that. And um, I just like a good story about, I mean, I don't want to say I like a good story about grief because that sounds terrible, but I like to see (laughs) how people portray other people going through grief because everybody handles it totally differently. So I am intrigued by that, but it's also getting phenomenal reviews. Um, I think it just came out um, like a month ago. So, um, so yes. So you with a view by Jessica Joyce. And I think it's through, it's another Berkeley book. So, um, that is already out and I literally have my bookmark in it, which means it's about to happen. (laughs) So I'll start reading that today. (laughs) I'm curious to know if it'll end up on any of your future lists, uh, because it does have a lot of great book buzz. And actually Jessica also was on a recent episode of first date on Reader Seeks Romance channel. And she mentioned, um, oh, when we asked about I asked about tropes in the book and which ones can did you create and you can claim as your own. And she mentioned as a like as a love language, calling the person by their last name oh. uh, as being a, a trope, a sexy trope that she created or that she has in, in the book, uh, you with a view. So I guess because they're high school nemesises. Nemesai. Yeah, nemesai. Um, they, they must call each other by their last name, but how that's also kind of sexy. And I agree. And I don't know why it's sexy, yeah. but it is. No, I like it. I'm, I'm here so, for it. <laughs> so there you go. Funny enough, the two books, well, maybe not funny enough, the two books that I have on my list of to be read um, released in 2023. So, uh, and I didn't, and we didn't have to stick to 2023 for this segment. No, no. Did. So anyway, I- I'm breaking the following rules all willy-nilly. The Rivals of Casper Road by Roan Parrish. Oh, what's yep. this? Oh, okay. So this is book four in Garnet Run series, okay. published by Harlequin Special Edition. It's one of their category lines. And uh, Roan writes really, really great, cozy, small town, sexy, steamy. Oh, romances this one is halloween themed fun which when was the last time you saw a halloween theme that wasn't paranormal romance that exactly very rare and the book cover has like there's pumpkins like a pumpkin uh welcome mat outside of the person's house and it's really cool okay so um i haven't yet read it i'm dying to read it it's um it's a small town in Colorado too, which I don't often find Colorado. It's oh, yeah. rivals to lovers. Ooh. The new guy on the block enters the annual Halloween house decorating contest and competes against the six-time champion, who happens to be this cute guy. And uh they end up sharing a kiss. There's like a prank war going on between them. Oh, uh, and then eventually they fall for each other. It's game on. Roan writes really, um, really well-rounded characters, and there's they're always very sexy, and she's good with world building. So yeah, so I I have that on my to be read list. That sounds really good, and I like you said Halloween. That's not paranormal. I always feel like it's lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it's either I, Christmas or 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I've been looking for a Thanksgiving wine. <gasps> that would be fun. But I feel like, and believe it or not, when I have searched Thanksgiving romances, I often find Amish ones. So I guess the uh, the Amish, I think, are cornering the market on Thanksgiving holiday <laughs> romances. So someone, I, I, please, someone out there, right? Yeah. Something that's not Amish for the people who don't read Amish. You yeah. Know. Um, uh, so anyway, that's just my little <laughs> two cents. <laughs> All right, Libby, what is your, uh, what is your next uh, okay. Liz and Libby pick? All right. So my next pick also have not read it yet, but I'm excited to read it. And apparently I'm just pulling everything off my bookshelf today and sharing it with you all. So, and I haven't read a Kathy Yardley before, but the next one I want to read is Role Playing by Kathy Yardley. Um, and actually someone that we know in common at our book club mentioned this and it was coincidentally on my uh, literal stack. Uh, but it's the thing I like about it is it, it, as I mentioned before, I like books that are not just the 20 something love interest. And this has a 40 something and a 50 something, um, hero and heroine, and they meet, um, playing video games online. And it starts off with them thinking one of them is really older and one of them's younger and they're just talking. And then they end up meeting in real life and realizing that a, they're basically the same age, B, um, they're really cute and C, maybe they're, you know, they could take this relationship offline, so to speak. So um, it's, I think it just came out last month as well. It's through um, Motlake Press. Um, oh, yeah. And it just, again, it just sounds charming and I'm obsessed with the cover. I mean, come on, give me a break. So yeah, um, it, it just gives me cozy vibes and um, as someone married to someone who's very much into video games, um, I think that's kind of interesting because you don't always see that as part of the plot point. It's usually like, yeah. a, you know, offhanded, like, oh, and he plays video games. So, um, right. so I'm anxious to see what that's like. And then, of course, I'll have to regale him with like, does this seem accurate? Because I always do that. And he's like, yes. <laughs> or sometimes, <laughs> no, I don't know. But that's it. My husband is a big time gamer. So um, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I will either th that role playing will resonate with me as a romance or I'll be like, ah, I don't really need to know about like how video romance heavy do you think? Like, cause you, you said you didn't start this yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I just got it. And then, um, did you flip actually, through just to see I'm going like, to flip through right now because, because I don't know how much of the video game stuff I could take. Although maybe I would have a new appreciation for uh, game. It looks like there's some, you know, chat text, you know what I mean? Like oh, your, okay. That's not, well, a, I, I mean, even I just paging that. through, it's not a lot. Okay. okay. I do like that. Her name is Bogwitch. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> her name is Bogwitch? Like her handle for the game, oh. not her real name. <laughs> I thought you read her real name was Bogwitch. No no, no. no, no, it says Maggie, but I think she goes by Bogwitch. I just think that's kind of fun. <laughs> I think it would be funnier if her name was Bogwitch. It was Bogwitch. <laughs> so what's your next one? Okay, listen. First of all, I you know how they say the collective consciousness, you put a thought out there and then someone will snap it up. I believe this book was stolen from my mind. Okay. Oh, what is it? Okay. It's called Fun House by USA Today bestselling author Lainey, L-A-N-I. I'm guessing it's Lainey mm -hmm. Lynn Vale. And this is book one in Welcome to the Circus. So I just have to read you some excerpts from the book description. Please. <laughs> Sometimes you need to crash a funeral to experience happiness. Oh, I'm already intrigued. Okay. So an aerial artist in a traveling circus crashes funerals 
to put life into perspective. And she attends one and is discovered and kind of like called out by this guy who, quote, dresses in a black suit, black undershirt, black gloves and black shoes. He looks like the devil himself. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, so apparently now there's not a lot in the book description, but it makes it sound like, you know, obviously romance ensues. Yeah. But that it's um, kind of a darker, edgier type of romance. So I, for the longest time, had an idea of writing a novel called Funeral Crashers, where people <laughs> meet at funerals that they would crash and it became their hobby, but it was a way for them to process grief and then shenanigans would ensue. So I feel like Lainey Lynn Vale took that out of my mind, which is part of, I guess, the collective consciousness and decided to do that. Plus, I always think that if I were to write a rom-com, the meet cute would be at a funeral because I think opening at a funeral is brilliant. Yeah. Karelia Stetz Waters, author of Satisfaction Guaranteed, opens her novel with a funeral. It's a rom-com. It's a brilliant scene. It's just a brilliant book. So I feel as if funerals, and then there was something else recently I read, and there was like a mention of a, a meat disaster at a funeral home. So I think funerals are becoming are, the new thing. I Honestly, I'm here for it because it's different. And, 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 like I said earlier with grief, everyone handles it differently. So it's interesting to see how people act at a funeral because yeah. I don't know. Have you ever been to a funeral where someone just randomly laughs and you're like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like they don't know what to do and they just kind of giggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting. I've never been to a funeral that didn't have laughter. Like well, when yeah. I, like you're like, well, I, do you mean like a nervous laugh? Like someone goes up to the casket and just starts giggling. Well, just like you're or? still, like you're still in the funeral home and like everybody's really quiet. And then you just hear someone like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like they don't know what to do, and they're like, "I'm either going to scream or laugh." So I, I don't know. I always feel like, "Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen to me." But Knockwood hasn't happened yet. <laughs> that reminds me of another idea I had: is that someone I was going to write a rom com that began where the person was going to meet their blind date, and the date ends up dying, and she attends his funeral just to see what he looks like. That's wasn't that an episode? Well, no, she had met him, but yes. wasn't that Sex in the City with Miranda? Oh my God, I was just going to say that because I am rewatching every <laughs> season of Sex in the City, and I think I might have taken that idea from that yeah. because yes, <laughs> Miranda is going to. Uh, she has uh, a date, but I don't know. She hadn't seen him yet. She hadn't met him yet. Okay, I couldn't remember if she had no, or no. And she ended up calling him to give him hell because yeah. he he stood, he stood her, her up. up. She talked to the mother. The mother said he's dead, and she went. I remember them saying, "Oh, he's cute." <laughs> Cute. Was. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah. So just a quick note about our special launch day giveaway. For details, you need to go over to YouTube and watch Romance Roundup episode one. While you're there, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any bonus content and extras. And if you dig our vibe and enjoy listening to podcasts, then subscribe to Romance Roundup on Podbean or your preferred podcast app. Thank you for joining us, romance readers. Happy reading, everyone.